On this week's episode, the Joker wins big at the box office. What has us impressed at New York Comic Con? And we talk the best farmers insurance commercials. All this and more as we once again delve into We Are Farmers, bum, 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 the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast coming right back at you here. Thanking you so much for listening to our entire list of awesome podcasts. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own J.K. Simmons of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, Humanican Media, his awesome show, Topicocalypse, and of course, his brand new book, which you got to check out today, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Yes, yes, farmer. Because we talked about um, was Geico. Sure, Geico commercials, and I wanted to talk about farmers because I happen to think they're a lot funnier than the Geico commercials. Are we discussing? I disagree. This? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Hey, listeners, we're taking a poll out here. Email us whether you think Farmers or Geico is a lot funnier, and that way I have one more thing to rub Jerry's face in. There you go. You can email us. Thank you, Joshy, at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can go ahead and send us your thoughts, and we'll go ahead and relate that on an upcoming show. And you know, get the results, which will be Geico all the way. I'm sure. Also, I'm going to post my top three on our Facebook page, so you can check out links to those, so you can join the hilarity that I call the farmers insurance commercials. Fair enough. Fair enough. We may even run a poll. How about that? Let's run a poll on the Facebook page. Let's go ahead and do that this week. We'll look for that Geico or farmers insurance. The battle is now on between insurance versus insurance. But it is going to be a great episode we've got for you planned this week. I've got a review coming up here in a few minutes. Unspoilery, of course, non-spoiler review for The Joker coming up on the first half of the show. I'm going to talk about my thoughts on The Joker, which has done great at the box office so far. But on the back end of the show, the last half hour, 15 minutes of it will be devoted to Jason Todd Feinberg from Hunnic Queen. He's going to be talking about his thoughts on the Joker, but it will be full of spoilers. So for 15 minutes, it will actually have spoilers. So I will tell you that right now up front. So between the 30 to 45 minute area, you might want to go ahead and maybe fast forward a little bit or check out something else and come back on the back end of the show after the 45 minute mark. If you haven't checked out the movie and you want to without being spoiled, but also as well, we've got a lot of great things to talk about. New York comic con was live this weekend And we're going to talk about some of the things that interested us in regards to some of the upcoming shows and premieres and trailers that they showed at the NYCC. Also as well, we're going to be talking about numbers 61 to 70 in our top 200 video games of all time. And of course, like we said earlier, we are farmers. We're going to talk about our favorite farmers insurance commercials on the back end of the show. And Jamie Monroy from GameSource has his thoughts on Sniper Elite 3. That's now on the Nintendo Switch. 
But first off, my friend, it is the Joker. It didn't do $100 million at the box office domestically this weekend, but my goodness, it still has a huge October record, almost $100 million, well over $90 million here domestically. A big win for Warner Brothers for an R-rated October movie. I can't believe it did so well from the first time. Again, I know I've said this ad nauseum, but from the time we saw the first trailer to where it is now, your thoughts on the Joker, how well it's done, and are you also surprised that it's done so well? No, I wasn't actually, because like I said the other day, Joker has all this publicity behind it, right? That interview that Joaquin Phoenix did with IGN, where they're asking him about if he thinks that people are going to show up to the movie theater and, and start, you know, with guns. And like that interview got a lot of publicity, plus the fake clip that got put up on Jimmy Kimmel that Joaquin Phoenix wasn't happy about. Like between, they did a great job of marketing it. And I don't even know if they did a lot of this stuff on purpose, but, you know, with, with all the, the stuff going on in the news and the, the mixed reviews all over the place, I know it's no longer certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It just, it has a lot going for it, a lot of intrigue and curiosity and a lot of publicity that they didn't really even have to pay for. So I, I see why people want to go see it. Like I personally don't really want to see it. I'll probably watch when it comes out, but I can see why people are curious enough to go and see what this movie is all about. Well, I have seen it and I'll tell you my thoughts on the movie in an unspoilery fashion. I mean, a lot of people have been coming up to me and asking me, well, did you like it? Did you like it? Did you like it? I think, wait, wait, hold on. Did you like it? Well, thank you for asking. I think liking it is not exactly the term I use. Did you experience it? I think it's probably the best way to say it because I don't think you can say you can like or not like this film, really. I mean, it's just not a film that is going to be something that's going to be happy and cheery or or provide you know something that's going to have you laughing, leaving the theater. This is one of the darkest movies to come out in a long, long time. It descends very quickly into a dark place, and it stays there, and it continues to stay there. I will say that the performance by Joaquin Phoenix is outstanding. Is it better than Heath Ledger? I'm not sure. I'm going to probably say no, but I would have to see both movies, The Joker and also as well Dark Knight back to back to just make sure in my mind. But I think right now going off of the times I've seen The Dark Knight, I'd say Heath Ledger's performance is just a smidgen better than Joaquin Phoenix's. But still, they're both very good performances The movie itself by Todd Phillips, his direction of the movie, I think is one of the keys to why this movie is a success, financially, of course. Again, a movie, this being something that you think you're going to go into and and think it's going to be cheery or think it's going to be something that it's going to be bright or anything uplifting. No, leave that out the door. This is a movie that goes into a deep descent into a dark, dark place, and it never comes out of it. It's something that you experience. I mean, people there were trying to laugh at some of the jokes or some of the things that went on. There was really only one time, you know, where there was an out loud laugh moment. But for the rest of the movie, there were times where people were trying to laugh at certain parts of the movie, but they really, you really couldn't, but they were trying to anyways, because it's such an uncomfortable movie as well. And people were just trying to laugh. Like when you laugh at an uncomfortable time, an uncomfortable moment, you you use laughter as a way to try and ease the type of tension and type of situation that you're in. 
I think a lot of people in the theaters were trying to do that and force themselves to laugh to to try and I mean, even bring down their emotions during this type of film because it's a movie about Arthur Fleck, someone whose life was already in some type of disarray, not only as far as from a mental, emotional, or even a physical or financial state. He was a just not a very well person. And all it took was a push by society to take him even further down that realm. And that's what this movie does is it shows a darker side of mental illness, but also shows and represents the, you know, a statement on class structure as well that I think people, if they want to go ahead and find out more about that and understand more about that, then they do need to check out this movie. I think it's a very good movie. It is right now in my top 10 of 2019. Whether or not it stays there or where it goes, could be one, could be 10. I'm not entirely sure because, again, it's a type of movie that you not necessarily like or don't like. It's a movie that you experience or you just go through. And and for a lot of people, I can see why that they just go through the movie and they just come out of it saying, you know what, this movie was not what I was asking for, not what I was looking for, because it's not what you think it will be. It's just, again, a journey to a deep, dark place. You're never sure 100% whether it's reality or what's in Arthur Fleck's mind. I can tell you that much because there's so many different scenes that represent so many different things. Some of it's out in front that it tells you it's real. Some of it's out in front that tells you it's imaginary. Some of it is shown later in the film, whether or not it's real or not. So right now I can tell you that for me, it's something that from a directorial standpoint, Todd Phillips did an amazing job. I think to me, that's the star of the film. But then again, this is a film that goes ahead and really, really goes and sets you on a journey and a path towards a very dark place. And it never comes out of it, but it does a great job of telling that story to you along the way. With one exception at the very end, the very, very end, after really the movie is for all intents and purposes done, I think this was a very well-crafted movie. I think Joaquin Phoenix did a very, very good job. And I'm telling you, if you want to see it for those aspects alone, go see it. But if you want to go in thinking to yourself, okay, this is going to make me, you know, just going to go ahead and check out a good movie. It's going to put me a good mood for the rest of the day. Or I'm just going to go ahead and check it out as far as something, maybe some as far as an escape or as far as something for entertainment. It's not that. It's not going to go ahead and come out and have you go ahead and have a smile on your face for the rest of the day. What it is going to do whether you think it's good or whether you think it's bad, it's going to have you coming out of that theater and make you think. And I think that's what it does a great job in doing. All right, cool. Well, uh, final verdict score. You got, got a number out of 10 here. A number out of 10. I knew you were going to press me on that. Again, I can't say whether I liked or didn't like the film per se. I, I think I experienced it. It would probably be the best way to say it. I think I'll probably go with right now uh, between eight or nine would probably be the best way to say it. I think, like I said, it was probably a, a nine film for me until the very, very end with a scene that just, it's one of those things where a two minute scene can ruin the entire movie for someone. And I can see that happening, but in this case, I think it just brings it down a notch. So I'd probably say between eight or nine, I think it's a very good film. Uh, I don't know if people want to consider it a great film or the best movie of the year. I'm not sure even if that will qualify for me as that the case, but it may, it may not. I may have to watch it again. I may like it even more, but I'll tell you what, right now, The Joker is a movie I think people, 
I don't want to say they need, but I think think of this: the Joker is a movie people should experience if they really want to get a a great synopsis of a character that I think that has been long been revered in pop culture in the Joker, and also as well that tells a great statement on our life and our society and how we treat mental illness and class structure. What are your thoughts out there on? The Joker, we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on on if you liked the movie, if you didn't like the movie, or if you're like me, that you think that it's not a question whether it's like or dislike. If it's a question of did you experience it and thought it was something beneficial, or if you experienced it and you really thought it was something altogether different. We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, right after the break, Jamie Monroy is going to be going ahead and talking about Sniper Elite 3 on Switch. Plus, also as well, later on, we're going to have Jason Todd Feinberg also giving his spoilery review of The Joker coming up as well. But right after Jamie, we're going to be talking about New York Comic Con real quick, some of the trailers that came out. Is there some interest as far as NYCC and everything it brings out? While it's not San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con had its own good things, and we'll talk about that after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here with my good friend Jamie Monroy from Game Source. He's here stopping by to talk about Sniper Elite 3. It's now been ported to the Nintendo Switch. So I ask you, my friend, your thoughts. Is it a good match, Sniper Elite 3 and the Nintendo Switch? It's not a horrible match or a bad match at all, but the fate of Nintendo ports, be it what it may, on this one, I can say they did not suffer on the multiplayer aspect, which is good for them. They needed that strong multiplayer aspect, I think, for the Switch. Because in my opinion, there hasn't been a huge game besides like Smash, you know, Mario, that have brought that multiplayer feel. The only problem I have with Sniper Elite 3 Ultimate Edition on the Switch is that it's a it's the same as before. You got a port to the Switch, just like Diablo, and it's the same thing that we've all played three or four times because there's been how many different ports or rehashes or gold editions or ultimate editions, legendary editions have been out, you know, that we've all played this. Why they didn't go with four? Why they went backtracking to three? Because I feel like everybody's played three to death, including myself. I actually just went right back and played it on the Xbox One not too long before I started playing this. Not a huge issue. I do like that it comes with everything out the gate that's great especially at the price points at the value for it is amazing um so it includes all the dlc it does it does includes all the dlc they actually added some new missions so they've got some strength going there as far as they prove their storytelling they can take the original story they had going before and they're adding elements to just there's longer maps more kind of more in depth Uh, i didn't get too far into the extras but I did touch on them some, and those kind of bring it to light. So another port, right? We're already on that subject. Everything else, it's fine, but 
Only because it's been rehashed. I feel like it's another Diablo and another Skyrim. It's just being rehashed upon rehashed upon rehashed, which is fine. There's a lot of people that love that game. I personally liked it. Issue but how does it Switch. play on the Switch? Because you said there was issue when it's docked to undocked. Well, with that aspect, it was a lot easier to play it docked as opposed to undocked. Just some of the animations weren't looking as great on the small Switch screen, which is to be expected considering you're not playing it on an Xbox One or a PS4. It's not going to push the same as it would when you played it on those. So you kind of have to go into it looking at it that way, but I didn't expect it to be that big of a difference from me having to dock it and undocking it because I wanted more of that, let me just take Sniper Elite with me wherever I go, which is fine. It's it's okay. I How's don't... the frame rate? <sighs> it's touch and go. <laughs> very touch and go. A lot of the enemy stuff doesn't render very quickly. Is there a difference when you're docked and undocked on the frame rate? I'd say a little. Obviously a lot more than what there would be when you're playing it on the smaller screen. Because, you know, depending on your TV, if it helps it, then it'll help it. But, I mean, it wasn't horrible. Just, to me, not something that I would go out of my way to go nuts over. Like I said earlier, I, I honestly think that it should have been more. They should have pushed to go with four instead of three. I know probably the option of going with three was one, it was probably a lot cheaper of an option and easier to give to the people on the switch that would come with their, what they've added and the, all the DLC. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it makes sense for the value. And if you have ever played that game ever and you own a switch and you liked that game, then it, I'm definitely not telling you not to play it. I'm just saying, if you've played it a bunch of times already, you may want to think about going a different direction. But it's the only Sniper Elite actually on the system at this point in time. Is that correct? That's correct. So for that aspect, if you haven't played it at all and you own a Switch and you want that on-the-go dock, you know, Switch feel, go for it. I mean, but right now it's about $40 some... right now right. as far as the MSRP. So, mm -hmm. Which is it definitely worth it for what they've done with the added stories and all the DLC, definitely worth it if you don't already own it somewhere else. So overall, your thoughts on it, and maybe you know, if you want to give it a score right now for this edition on the Switch with all the issues, but still, you know, like you said, if you haven't approached the Sniper Elite series so far, since it's the only thing available on Switch, and because it has all the DLC, it is a good value in that sense. But overall, as a game for maybe a 1 to 10 score, what would you give it? I'd give it about a seven, only because you're great at storytelling. The game itself is not horrible. I'm not trying to make it out like it's horrible at all. Not in any aspect. It just has its flaws, and that a lot of it is being that it's being pushed backwards, I guess I want to say. Like, it went kind of in reverse. You went from going to 4K, you know, on these big systems that can push out graphically to scaling it down a tad, which always affects a game no matter what game it is. Once again, it is Sniper Elite 3. It is now available on the Nintendo Switch for a retail value of $39.99. Jamie's given it a passable review. It's got its issues, got its flaws. But if you're looking for a shooter out there for the Nintendo Switch, it might be one of your best options at this point in time. Well, Jamie, absolutely. I'd like to say thank Well, huh? What? Oh, what? I was saying absolutely. You know, speaking of absolutely, I can think of three letters, though, that I want to talk about right now. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but is that okay? 
Well, okay. It doesn't matter if it's okay to steal oh, a pun from someone oh. else. All right. Sure. I'll tell you what. You've got something else on your mind. I, I can tell. I can tell. And we'll go ahead and talk about that a little bit later in the show because right now I'm coming back with Josh here in a sec talking about New York Comic Con. Then Jason Todd Feinberg has his spoiler review of the Joker. I'll tell you what. Right after he talks about the Joker, I'll go ahead and bring you up to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. I'll give you a few minutes of your own coming up later in the show. How about that? All right, as long as I don't lose it between now and then like someone else did for this company that I'm about to talk about. Okay, fair enough, fair enough indeed. I want to thank Jamie Monroy for his thoughts on Sniper Elite 3 coming to the Switch and, and what his thoughts were on it. If you have a question on that, let us know on Pop Culture Cosmos on our social media. Josh, New York Comic Con was this past weekend. I know there were some good trailers that dropped, especially if you're a Star Trek or Walking Dead fan. I want to hear your thoughts real quick. I know... Those are not areas which you have a great expertise on, but still some kind of interest. Is there a buy-in for maybe Discovery in Season 3 or Picard? I know a lot of people are talking about going back to that Star Trek Next Generation era with, with all the good stuff that Picard may be showing off real soon. Well, I remember seeing the original trailers for Picard, and that's definitely something that I'd love to watch because it's got that cinematic feel of the Star Wars films and just the fact that a character that was around in the 90s is someone that modern audiences want brought back because they really identified and felt familiar with these this character like it's i would i would watch it you know if i had cbs streaming i would watch it is it enough to make me want to go get it not at the moment but that's just cuz i don't have a lot of time to watch tv if i were at a point where i could sit down and watch something every night i probably would because i'm definitely curious about it i do enjoy the movies and i noticed that these new series no longer have that like cheesy tone that the old star trek shows and movies did this one seems to have be more cinematic and it's geared towards younger audiences and it has modern technology in it so it's definitely something i would want to watch but you are the fan so i turn to your knowledge on all things star trek what do you think about it well, first off, let's talk about Discovery Season 3. I think it's in a good place in a setting 930 years after the events of what happened in Season 2. So I think that's a really good thing for them that they're going ahead and evolving into that time period. It looks like from what I saw in the trailer that it's going to be another good year of Discovery. I've been impressed with the series so far, and I'm looking forward to more good things from that series. I'm starting to grow really fond of that series at this point in time with Picard. It's kind of funny because you, you see him and it just you know brings back so many memories of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it does also as well have Data, Deanna Troy, they showed off Riker. So all these parts of The Next Generation will be in there, at least sprinkling in there from time to time. But it is Picard's show and he is the central figure. And along with, with the girl that he's going ahead and trying to save that... It, this is going to be something that might be relatable to a new, pardon the pun, generation of fans because it looks good. It, it's combining what there were good things that were about Star Trek Next Generation. And if you also include Jerry Ryan, who's coming back as Seven of Nine, it's very interesting to see her dynamic in there. But with all these characters already known from the Star Trek universe, but combining them with a group of individuals that we saw in the trailer that are fresh and bring a new perspective on it. It's going to be interesting to see. And yes, it's got me hooked already because it's Picard. So we'll see how far that goes. He's coming out of retirement, it looks like, uh, from his winery. 
coming back to go ahead and save the galaxy once again, or at least the girl that I guess holds a key to being a big part of saving the galaxy or something like that. So it gives you that inference of him having another mission to lead. And, and for a lot of people like me who have a lot of nostalgia for the Star Trek series, it looks like it's going to head off in a good direction. So yeah, I'm excited for it when it comes out in January. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I want to ask you real quick, The Walking Dead not only talked about its new season that's here, but also as well, its new series. And I want to get this from your vantage point because I've been watching The Walking Dead off and on. Been a diehard, then I've been off the wagon, and I've been on it, depending on the storyline. There's now a third series that they're going to go ahead and do in spring 2020 that they're going to go ahead and debut. And uh, I'll tell you what, I saw the trailer today. Yeah, it looks just like what we've been seeing from The Walking Dead. I'm not sure I'm bought into it. I mean, to me, I think it's something that I think a lot of people, unless they're a diehard Walking Dead fan, it's something I don't think that they really need. No, and it's how how much longer are they going to be able to ride this wave? Because I feel like Walking Dead's becoming the next supernatural. Zombies just aren't, they're not popular anymore. It's It was a fad and the fad is over. And not even the comic books have gone on this long. They are now about to go past the storylines in the comic books. If they haven't already done it, I think it's reached its end. It, it needs to end. It needs to tell a full story because now it just feels like audiences are getting cheated, right? You devoted all this time to this show and there's no end in sight. There's going to be no conclusion. It's just going to run until people are getting tired of it. You're right. I'm hoping for a conclusive ending, maybe in a couple seasons. There's been rumors to that, that it might finish by Walking Dead season 12. So we'll see. But this new series, I think, is unnecessary. And I just don't think it tells a good enough narrative for people to care because Fear of the Walking Dead hasn't connected with the type of audience I think that they've ever been looking for. I know it's been not something that a lot of people, even TWD fans, have really enjoyed throughout the years. So... When it comes to what we're seeing with The Walking Dead, I'm not sure it's going to be all that great, even though Laurie Cohen is going to come back at some point in time. We'll have to see if that spices things up for The Walking Dead and the new Walking Dead series, which is yet to have a name that's coming out in spring 2020. Last but not least from the New York Comic Con, I think you might like this better. I know we have talked about at one point in time the movie Snowpiercer. And Snowpiercer is something that... (laughs) We thought it was a really good movie, under-the-radar movie that I think a lot of people should still like. One of the best Chris Evans movies, not named Captain America, that he's ever done. I want to ask you this, though, my friend. New York Comic Con debuted a trailer, like a background trailer of what went on and how it evolved to even get to the point of the Snowpiercer, which I think is really good, and it will tell that narrative. The only thing is, with it jumping from TNT to TBS, back to TNT, before the series has even started... Is that a good sign for the show? Or just does it mean that Turner really has great ideas, just doesn't quite know which network that it will benefit the most from? It took a a little bit for this show to get made, if I remember correctly, right? It's been flip-flopping between TNT to TBS. While it's been in pre-production, Turner Networks has had the rights to it. They just couldn't decide which network it was going to ultimately be on. I think as of this recording, I think actually it's going to be on TNT, but we'll have to wait and see when it finally comes out, which network it ultimately goes on. But to tell that background of how it happens, where the world decaying and all that, to to show the early start of the structure of how the train cars are at and how it came to be, 
if you've seen the movie, you understand what I mean. But I think Snowpiercer could be a TV series that, like the movie itself, is something that could go under the radar, but could be a very good thing to watch. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch it. Like I, you know, we, we I talked about this right. We talked about Snowpiercer, and it was it it was a really good movie. It, it was a sleeper hit, and it really like it's one of those movies where the whole thing takes place in one location. Really cool idea. Love the concept. My question would be, do you think there's enough content there to stretch out into an entire series of episodes? would have to be like a maybe an, a max 12 episode season. I couldn't yeah. see it going 22 because then it really gets drawn out. You can only tell the story within the context of so many train cars. Yeah. Because there's, there's a thousand and one train cars as explained in the teaser trailer for Snowpiercer. And you really can't go outside because outside is supposed to be frozen. So if that's the case and you're within the confines of the train itself, then to tell the story and tell the narrative in a correct fashion, I think maybe if you keep it 8 to 12, I think you could really do a good job within the confines of that truncated season. How many seasons do you think it could run? Max, I'd say three or four. But okay. then again, I've, I've been proven wrong before, so we'll have to wait and see. But I think Snowpiercer is a good thing to work off of as a series. I mean, the movie itself left both you and I thinking that there could be something more to this universe, for lack of a better term. So hopefully we will get that with Snowpiercer, the TV series. And I'm just concerned when it flip-flops back and forth between TNT and TBS that Turner can't get it straight. And that would only hurt the series before it even starts. What are your thoughts out there on what's going on with New York Comic Con? Was there anything that you thought really stood out? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up after the break, we've got Jason Todd Feinberg from Honey Queen. He's going to give a spoilery review. So for the next 15 minutes, there's nothing but spoilers when it comes to the Joker. If you're going to go see the movie and you don't want any spoilers, flip over to the 45-minute mark because we'll go ahead and have the rest of the show with Josh and I talking about number 61 to 70 on our top 200 video games of all time and the best of the We Are Farmers commercials coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. We cannot thank you enough for listening to all of our great programs. It is the Joker. It did so well. In fact, it earned an October record, almost $100 million domestically here at the box office. It has truly got everybody talking in so many different ways about so many different facets of the movie, but also leading into so many different issues in regards to you know, a society, mental health, class relations, so much more. It's bringing that conversation to light, but is it a good movie? I know I shared my thoughts with Josh, but I want to go ahead and share some thoughts right now with my good friend. He is the man behind Hunnequeen. You got to hear everything that he's doing today. Hunnequeen is still available on so many different podcast outlets. Plus also anytime he goes on, whether it's, you know, on board with one of his thoughts that, that he has on pop culture right here on the show. It's always great to have him on. It's, again, my good friend, Jason Todd Feinberg. 
Jason's just great to have you on the show. And before I get you on, I want to just mention for the next 15 minutes, just let everybody know, we're going to do some spoilers. So if you haven't seen Joker yet and you don't want it to be spoiled, sorry, we're going to that spoiler area for the next 15 minutes. Come back right around the 45 minute mark and we'll, me and Josh are coming back with the rest of the show. But for right now, the floor is yours, my friend. Your spoilery thoughts on the Joker. You know, this is a character that's been talked about since the 30s. And why is he the most popular Batman villain? I mean, after all, TNG and the Turtles had Shredder. When he went away, people were ballistic. We had Krang, but when they went away, people went ballistic. When um, Mumra left Thundercats and we brought in, I think, the Berserkers, people went ballistic. When Cobra Commander went away and we got uh, Serpentor, King Hit, I, I, people went bullet. You get the idea. When, when Megatron became Galvatron. But somehow Batman has these rogues. Joker, I don't know if it's because he's a clown. We don't know his origin. He's He has nothing to lose. He makes that a, an interesting point. And I have to say, out of all the live action adaptations that fans have whined and complained about and say, well, this doesn't happen in the comics. Let me just say here right now, for everyone who is a fan of comic books, it's called an adaptation. That's number one. Second of all, the last couple of times that I sat in the theater to see comic book movies done word for word and frame by frame, and that's Zack Snyder's Watchmen, and that was an animated version of The Killing Joke, it didn't do that well because there was nothing new brought to the table. It was just playing it safe and doing the same thing. I like the fact that the game was changed. Now, I have some issues with the timeline. The first thing is I don't really know why it was done in the 80s. I think Hollywood needs to step away from the 80s. There were other decades out there. I grew up in the late 70s, 80s, 90s. That actually, out of the 20th century, the 90s was my favorite of the decades for reasons not because the 20th century was ending we didn't know what was going to happen for the 21st but the technology and the culture 80s look i grew up in the in new york in the 80s i can tell you right now gotham is supposed to be manhattan and 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 that was discussed years ago and i think because bob kane was afraid uh to make it manhattan he called it gotham but it, it has been confirmed over the years and sometimes it's either Manhattan, Chicago, or Detroit, but it's any major city that just back in the day, crime was bad and, you know, vigilante justice reigned supreme. In this case, however, we're going to deal with Joker's take on it. And, and the thing that I find interesting on this is that this takes a bit of Killing Joke, a bit of Dark Knight Returns. And it gives us an interesting adaptation, but again, it's still multiple choice. We don't know everything about Joker, because as soon as this was announced, that we were going to get a true origin story by Martin Scorsese, and we didn't know where DiCaprio was going to be, the people were like, I don't know, like, we're sick of Joker, and you can't do an origin. It's, but, you know, we still have our pie in it as well. Not cake, because it's, you know, Joker, he's a clown, along with our soda water. What's interesting about the story is that people are also going to compare this to King of Comedy because, well, let's not forget, we've got Robert Nero when he's a talk show host. 
I'm yeah. going to tell you right now, Todd Phillips, I compared his work, I think in many ways it's an homage to Scorsese because it has a lot of direct references to Taxi Driver and, of course, the King of Comedy as well. So I ask you, my friend, with all that said and done, I've said my piece on it, whether or not I think it's a good film. And I've said before, you know, when I've been approached that, did you like it? Did you like it? Did you like it? That's all I keep getting asked about the Joker. So there is a lot of interest there. I can't say whether I liked it or didn't like it. All I can say is I appreciate it for what it is. It's a very dark journey into a very dark place for an individual and how society and culture can treat mental illness as a whole. So I think it's it's something that a lot of people need to be aware of and see because this happens to an extent in our society today. But as a movie, you know, I like I said, I appreciate it. I can't say I liked it or didn't like it. I think it's a very good movie. But again, it's not something you go in there and enjoy and you go, ha, 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 and it's done. I just will tell you this, that is something that I think it's a very good movie. Is it deserving of all the buzz? I think it is most of the buzz. I'm not sure it's the best movie of the year so far. It's going to be somewhere in my top 10, at least as of now. I don't know where it falls just yet because I can't. It's just weird. It's just a very hard movie to describe because it goes to a very, very dark place. But I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on The Joker. Well, you could see it. I guess the audience at home cannot. But... Behind me, I have a picture that was drawn by Neil Adams of Joker holding up his bloody hands. Next to him, I have a cosplayer as Harley Quinn. Below it was a former Disney artist that drew a picture. One side is Mickey Mouse's Batman. The other side is Joker's Donald Duck or vice versa. And below that is a character as me as Harley Quinn. I really became a Bat fan in 89 when all the hype came about. I, I mean, I did... I did hear about Dark Knight Returns and, and Killing Joke, and I tried to read them, and I couldn't get into them, and I got into more in college. The animated series, the same thing. Batman 66, you know, you, you get the idea. There have been so many versions and variations and talks and discussions and fanboys, and it's been 80-somewhat years. What can we do to change the game? I don't feel that Todd Phillips should be part of the DCEU, but on the other hand, I think he should have replaced Snyder and, and, and actually replaced Matt Reeves. I feel bad what happened with Snyder and his family a couple years ago during Justice League. We discussed that. I get it. But Snyder was not the person to give us a realistic Batman movie. I mean, I'm not even going to take away what Nolan did. He tried. But after Dark Knight, he just stopped caring. And so who do we have that really cares regarding the movie universe. I feel Todd Phillips put his pants on one leg at a time. You know, let's see, what's the best way to, to analyze this? Winded up the stopwatch, getting ready, ready, set, go, bang. It hasn't tripped over the finish line. But just felt that he wanted to take a couple steps back and let Matt Reeves win because Matt Reeves will be directing the Batman. I know that the timeline doesn't make sense between Joker and Bruce, but you know what? We never know how old Joker is anyway, and you know people think that I'm 25 when I'm in my 40s. Age is just a number how you take care of yourself, and both these characters, I feel, and actors, I feel, would take care of themselves. I really would like to see Joaquin Phoenix 
back. I feel there's more to tell. Yeah, there are these one-off graphic novels, and there is a one-off graphic novel with Joker, but I feel that this movie, does it live up to the hype? No, because there was really never any hype because nobody cared anymore about this character. People wanted to see Riddler or Penguin again and, and, and have them given another chance or Two-Face. It's a good story. It's not a great one. It trips one too many times. It's not going to matter what I say because it's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars regardless and the, you know the screens are going to be closed and people are going to rent this in the courtesy of their own home and that's just going to be the way it's going to be. But I feel that it's a pilot for something. I feel that Phillips needs to be part of this universe. I feel that Joaquin Phoenix needs to be part of this universe. I don't feel anything for the actor who plays Alfred because he needs to stay off both the kidney and the shepherd's pie. Bruce, we didn't really see much of him. I really didn't care for the young Bruce. And it's a shame that um, you know Domino from Deadpool 2 played the love interest, whatever happens to her. I, I could have seen her as a Harley Quinn. But this movie, it drags a little. It disappoints a little. But it's never boring. But I just feel that there were too many studio notes. That's the problem. And that tacked on ending, which just didn't make sense or just pissed a lot of people off. Professionally, I got to go... Right down the middle, two and a half. But personally, I'll definitely get it on digital. I don't care about the auto commentary and the behind the scenes anymore, mind you. But I will be adding this to my it, it, it does make up for Killing Joke, Suicide Squad, and Batman v Superman and Justice League. And yeah, and to me, that's saying a whole lot. Once again, I have Jason Todd Feinberg from Honey Queen. you got to check out all the great stuff that he has done with his Honey Queen show. Just Google it out there. It's on so many different podcast outlets. My friend, I just truly appreciate you sharing your thoughts on the Joker movie with us here today. And before we head on out, what you up to, my friend? What, what can people do as far as following what you're doing, your thoughts on pop culture? You know, just set up the the Hanuk symbol. I, I I've been saying this for a while. Life in school. I'm I'm finishing up my accelerated nursing program and uh, everything else. So, I'm my archives are coming back on. And in the archives, Gerald has been on. What we talked about, Justice League 2017. You can also see my archives where I've talked about the graphic novel of Joker, uh, Killing Joke, a couple of Joker stories, as well as the animated version of the Killing Joke, and. Also, if you search, um, I was a guest on Astro Radio Z. I think you'll find that on YouTube. I've also talked about Killing Joke on there as well. So if you look on the archives, you search for them, and, and if you cannot find them on YouTube or on Podbean, uh, just email me at hunnickfeedback at gmail.com because they're slowly and surely starting to come back into the fray. But next year when all is said and done, I'm going to have something, you know, big to announce again whether it be on youtube or podcasting but for now i'm just going to be guesting all over the place mostly on batman a lot but yeah the best any comments or questions hunnickfeedback at gmail.com that'll be the best way to get in contact with me once again he is jason todd feinberg from hunnick queen just type in the words h-u-n-n-i-c and it comes right up for you 
My friend, it's just been great hearing your thoughts on the Joker. Again, it's a big win for Warner Brothers, and we'll see where the Joker heads towards the future. Maybe some Oscar buzz for Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips, or the movie. We'll have to wait and see. And also where possibly the Joker could lead into the DC universe. I mean, that's another larger story. If it's going to be a one-off like Todd Phillips is saying, or if Warner Brothers can't resist the chunk of change by putting the Joker and Joaquin Phoenix into somewhere into a different timeline in the DC universe. So, but that is another conversation for you and I have down the road. And because that will probably be a, another great one as well. And if we do, because, you know, between It Chapter 2 and, and Joker, they threw Harley Quinn in front of us. I don't know if we'll discuss it. I don't like Margot Robbie. She hasn't improved, and I really don't care. But I guess if we do discuss her, you know, I'll be there. I, I mean, I love the character. I love the comics with Amanda Connor and, and, and Jimmy. I don't love Margot Robbie. I don't think she respects the character the way that other incarnations have. That's all. Well, we'll have to wait and see when Birds of Prey comes out in February. Cannot thank everybody enough for being a part of the show. Again, as far as people watching, people sending in their comments. I'll tell you what, Jason, you've just been incredible as always. As you know, I, I just value and appreciate your opinion every single time you come on the show. Again, if you have any comments for Jason or I, you heard the Gmail address for Jason. For us, it's at PopCultureCosmo on Twitter. Also, as well, Pop Culture Cosmos on YouTube. And, of course, you can send it to us as well on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Instagram as well. My friend, it's just been great having you on the show again. The Joker's running wild all over the U.S. and all over the world at movie theaters right now. And, again, it's just so great to hear your thoughts on The Joker right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Okay, we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Jamie Monroy from Game Source is back once again. I'm going to give you the soapbox. You've got it. The clock is ticking. But the show, I'm going to go ahead and swing to you right now. Did you happen to catch Wednesday Dynamite? Well, I don't know how you felt, but to me, AEW, they, they came with it. I'll, I'll give them that. Good premiere. Not what I expected. I'm sure probably not what a lot of people expected, given AEW's run before going televised. When you take that kind of a show from your online streaming and such that everyone got to know on that aspect, and then kind of cookie cutter it, slap some PG, you know, maybe teen on it, and then throw it out on TV, it changes the game altogether. And like you said prior, you know, AEW is just getting started. So they got to take those baby steps and crawl before they walk. I don't know what their next big move is going to be. I know they pulled in a lot of good talent. Now let's just see how they're utilized. All right, so you had your piece. You're off your soapbox right now. But before you get off that soapbox, I want to hear from you, man. How can people follow you on Twitter? or Twitch, or anywhere else they can follow Jamie Monroy and GameSource. Twitter handle is Degenerate08. Feel free to stop by. Twitch, we're looking at 
www.twitch.tv slash degenerate2018. Also, you can catch me on Mixer, Degenerate08. Stop by, throw some comments, tell me a game you want to see streamed, see if we can make it happen. Absolutely indeed, my friend. So great hearing your opinions on AEW and also as well on Sniper Elite 3 on the Switch. So check out also his written thoughts on Sniper Elite 3 on Nintendo yes. coming up on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Well, my friend, I want to thank, first off, Jamie Monroy for giving us that great review of Sniper Elite 3 on the Switch. Plus also as well, Jason Todd Feinberg from Queen for stopping by to share his spoilery thoughts on the Joker as well. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week on great radio stations worldwide, check out our listings today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you'll also see listings of many of our over 30 different podcast outlets as well. Well, Josh, you got a great thing going on with all the stuff that you're doing with Humanica Media, Topic Eclipse, and congratulations, you suck. So give us an update. What's going on with the world of Josh Peterson? You can pick up my book today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Locker, and some other great booksellers. And also, we are making more Topic Oculus episodes, so you can check that out on our Podbean page. And also, it's on the Pop Culture Cosmos feed as well, so definitely give that a listen. We just did a Borderlands in Review episode, and there's another one going up tomorrow night. So tune in, and we greatly appreciate it. That is Topic Oculus. You can check it out today. That's T-O-P-I-C-O-C-A-L. YPSE. Got it? I think so. I, 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 you lost me at like T-O-C. T-O-P-I-C-A-L-Y-P-S-E. We'll go to the spelling bee later on. That's T-O-P-I-C-O-C-A-L-Y-P-S-E. Topicocalypse. All right, my friend. We're breaking down another 10 on the top 200 video games of all time as voted on by our Pop Culture Cosmos followers. So I'll hit you up, my friend, on this. The list goes as follows. Number 70 is Mule. Number 69, Mother 3, a.k.a. Earthbound 2. Number 68, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. Number 67, the original Kingdom Hearts. Number 66, the original Killer Instinct. Number 65, Fallout New Vegas. 64 is Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. Number 63 is Dragon Warrior Monsters. 62 is Double Dragon 2, The Revenge. 61 is Destiny. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, on number 61 to 70. Do you have any good memories of any of the games on this list? Can I first of all just say how I love how on this mule one you specified that it's not about people putting drugs inside themselves? Pretty much, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so going down the list, Mortal Kombat versus DC. So when this game came out, I worked at Best Buy. So I watched, you know, I would walk down the aisle because I worked in the warehouse. So I always had to walk down the aisle where the TVs were always blaring. And they always had the Mortal Kombat versus DC trailer playing on there because I was a big Best Buy. There's special content. you get. I don't remember what it was. So I watched these trailers over and over again. And even though I know full well that I suck at fighting games, Something about watching that commercial, it like subliminally got into my head and I'm like, I need to buy this game. So I bought it on day one, took it home, played it for an hour and I'm like, you know what? That's why I don't buy fighting games because I suck at them. Love the story though. Very cinematic look. Loved the, uh, I think it was the first match I played Batman vs. Sub-Zero. Very, very smooth combat. I love the uh, the mixture of the worlds and it would be a cool thing. I'd love to see like a, maybe like an anime series of that could be interesting. 
Kingdom Hearts. So I actually just beat this not too long ago, last year sometime. So my first experience with Kingdom Hearts was, uh, it was something, you know, I, it was a lot of heartless and you're heartless and I'm heartless. And it's a storyline that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, but it was fun running around all the, uh, all the Disney sets and stuff like that. So eventually I will go back and finish the Kingdom Hearts series, but it's probably going to be, you know, when I have like six years of free time. So Kingdom Hearts, fun game, takes a long time. Killer Instinct, this one's fun. I remember having it, not having it, but on Friday nights, my parents would always take me to Blockbuster to rent, and then we get a pizza, and we go home and eat pizza, and I play games. Among these games was Killer Instinct. So Killer Instinct, I remember it, it was always one of my favorite games. Again, another fighting game. I think this was what started my adventures in sucking at fighting games, but I still remember playing it just because it was fun. I played with my friends. Fallout New Vegas... It's a very long game. I didn't like it as much as I liked Fallout 3, but it came out during a dry spell of games, so I think that's the only reason I did pick it up. Love the game, love the world. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that The Outer Worlds has that same kind of feel that Fallout does. I know it won't be as big of a game. It was fun. You know, for a game that a Obsidian took over a property that was originally made by Bethesda, they did a very, very good job with it. Okay, moving down, Double Dragon 2. I know you have some experience with Double Dragon. I've played the arcade game. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. I've played the arcade games. They are what they are. They're no golden axe, but they're fun. And Destiny, unfortunately, I've never played Destiny. I remember I was going to, and then uh, my friends all played it without me, and they said that it's not a good game, so don't pick it up, so I never did. What about you, though? Anything special on this list that stands out? For me, I'd say maybe Destiny. I, I know there was a lot of hype on that game. I thought it was going to be the game that was going to be that next just top-tier, triple-A, top-five, all-time game that would just go down in history as something that was really special. I mean, the way it was hyped, the, the advance notice, the demos, the whole nine yards, the way it was presented, and the pedigree of the individuals involved and the development studios involved with Bungie and all that, it looked like it was going to be a game that people wouldn't soon forget. And unfortunately, it came out to be something that a lot of people did forget as soon as they finished playing with it. It's just something that is it's good. So it was all right. But it wasn't something that was truly memorable that a lot of people could take away from. I know the community that was there is a diehard community that still loves that and Destiny 2 to this day. In fact, Destiny 2 is reaching the heights of popularity that it hadn't gotten to when it was released and i think in the past couple of weeks they've come out with more dlc and more dlc that have attracted even a larger audience that it never has which is good because now that bungie is an independent developer on its own without activision or microsoft looking down his shoulder then it looks like it's hopefully they'll be able to go ahead and and expand the destiny universe for the better even more but for me, it's something that's going to be hard to ever get back into again because I just wasn't impressed with it in the first place. And what I thought it would be, it just never lived up to what I thought it could be. With Double Dragon 2, didn't like the Revenge too much. Not anywhere as good as the original. And with me, most of the games on this 10, it just did not impress me at one time or another. Not a big fan of Killer Instinct, unfortunately. Or, you know, Kingdom Hearts, it's Kingdom Hearts. Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe is it's not anywhere near the best Mortal Kombat game, but I guess out of all of them, I'd say Fallout New Vegas was the best experience for me as far as any of this 10. And I think from Obsidian, I think this is probably 
one of the best showcases of the Fallout series. In fact, for many, and possibly even me as well, this could be the best Fallout game they've ever released. I know that's a lot to say with a lot of people that love Fallout 3, Fallout 4, la 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 la. Certainly not Fallout 76. That's been a train wreck that has already happened. So, you know, my favorite Fallout game of all of them is Fallout New Vegas, and that's on this. But Fallout has never been really a series that I've gotten 100% behind. I've, I've enjoyed my time in it, but not really considered it one of my all-time favorite series. So that's the latest list of 10 games right there for you, number 61 to 70. If you want to check out the list in its entirety, check it out today, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. They're already up to number one, so you can take a look at the list, 10 by 10 by 10 by 10. It's all right there for you. Otherwise, you'll be hearing us complete the list right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos and our Friday show, The PCC Multiverse. But before we head on out, my friend, I got to hear your thoughts on the best farmer's insurance commercials that you've ever seen. All right. Well, my top three are the Hall of Claims, the swing set standoff with the moose, where the moose is just running into the swing set. Love that. The rooftop parking is good. And also, I am a huge fan of the rock and wreck one because we've all done that thing in our cars where we rock out on the steering wheel but this guy accidentally went too far and ran into a building so i'm i'm a huge fan just because i like jk simmons a lot the geico commercials are funny but i just remember actually literally laughing out loud when watching some of these farmers insurance commercials so that's where i stand on that do you have any favorites for me, I agree with you on the rockin' one. I think that's something that's very funny. It keeps keeps me smiling when I see it. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's something that of them, because they're not as memorable as to me as, as they are to you. I mean, for me, it's the Geico commercials more, but I will tell you that one is pretty funny. You know, just I feel like headbanging right now as we speak. But yes, that's a good commercial. And I think it's probably my favorite. And for me, that is saying something because, again, I've, I think I've gravitated towards the Geico commercials even more. That style of humor for commercials seems to fit better with me. And it seems like the style of the farmer's insurance commercials seems to fit you a little bit more. What that says about you and I, I don't even know because they're not even my insurance company. So, you know what? They haven't worked to their fullest intent. So I'm not a Geico customer and I'm not a farmer's insurance customer. So sorry. Sorry. Are you? No, I'm not. I just think their commercials are funny. I'm a auto club member, so. The intended effect from Geico and Farmers Insurance, while they're good, hasn't really given us the impetus to buy and go ahead and save whatever money from either of those companies. You know, it was funny when Geico used to do those. It's so easy a caveman can do it. Those were good Geico commercials. I miss those. That was on my list of the Geico commercials. So, But remember, they had a whole like running series of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought the one in the airport was the best, though. I thought that was really good. But need I digress? So this week, you'll be seeing a poll on our website that we'll keep running on there between Geico and Farmers Insurance. And one last thought before we go on out. If you get a chance, can you please go to discoverpods.com for us? It's that time of the year. The Discover Pods nominations for the best podcasts are, are up and running. And you can help the Pop Culture Cosmos be a part of that process if we get enough votes, we can actually be in the running for the best movie and TV podcast that's out there. And we would love and be honored if that's the case. So if you can help us out, go to discoverpods.com and go ahead and vote for the Pop Culture Cosmos 
for the best TV and movie podcast. We would truly be indebted to you if you could. Or check out our listings on our Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and all of our other social media outlets. We'll be posting that link that you can go right there and vote this week as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.